0: Imagine surrounding yourself with incredible women, women who've overcome challenges, they've rebounded after failures and disappointments, and women who are not afraid to shine their brilliance to make a mark in the world. These women support other like-minded women because they know there is plenty of opportunity for everyone and that together we really can make a difference, grow our businesses while have fun along the way. This is what Women in Leadership Podcast is all about. Welcome. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Grab a cover of your favorite beverage, pull up a chair, and let's get this conversation started. And welcome back to another episode of Women in Leadership podcast. Joining me today is Marsha Acker. Marsha, she is the founder and the CEO of Team Catapult, which is a leading leadership development firm that has 28 plus years of experience. Marsha is an internationally recognized for her expertise in facilitating meaningful conversations, breaking through communication barriers, as well as promoting agility across organizations. She's also the host of Defining Moments of Leadership podcast, the author of The Art and Science of Facilitation and Build Your Model for Leading Change. She emphasises the importance of facilitation and coaching skills as essential for 21st century leaders. I totally agree. Now on today's show, Marsh is going to share how leading change, that often means that we can get stuck and have the same conversations over and over again without getting anywhere. I'm sure many of us can recognise that. She's going to talk about how deepening your self-awareness to understand your impact on interpersonal and group dynamics. That's going to make an impact as well as four primary questions to ask when leading change. Hope you've got your pens and paper ready because this is going to be a wonderful conversation. Welcome, Marsha. Uh,
1: thanks, anne It's nice to be here.
0: Tell me, um, we mentioned in the introduction that uh, you've got 28 plus years of experience. If you were to give a snapshot, what were some of the things that led you down the path today? Because you're obviously very passionate about leadership, facilitating change, and my goodness, don't we need that in the world today?
1: (laughs) I could sum it up really succinctly and say, I think what led me here is that I wish I had the skills that I believe in now in my in my early career. So I, you know, started my career in the space of technology. I would have can I had two degrees in software engineering. And I think what I see the most, I saw it in myself, it's certainly part of my journey is getting really good at expertise in a particular area. So I think we all do that. I think we all have areas that we're um, that we have a great deal of expertise in and then as we move up uh the what the needs and the requirements of those around us change and mm-hmm. i think what got us to where we are won't take us to the next level i often say um i i talk with the leaders that i talk with i say you're really good at what you do you're really good at technical expertise and we're really good at helping you work with other humans So I just think that we don't um, inherently, I think there's two challenges. I don't think we inherently um, have really good skills for working with other humans and communicating with other humans. And I I think it's not necessarily a thing that we focus on our practice because I think we believe that because we communicate all day, every day, right? So I just Mm -hmm. think we believe that we do it well already. Mm.
0: It's interesting that you should say that because when we look at uh, leadership skills, or we think about the leaders that we admired, that we respected, mm. versus. Those that perhaps we don't as much, um, <laughs> we realize that there is an attitude and an approach that they have that just enables to get the best out of their team, the the, the ability to manage and handle situations no matter what's going on, and you feel safe, you know, in in their um, yeah, in their surrounding areas versus you might not know what the leader is going to do depending on what mood that they're in and as you said it's not until you get really skilled in or we see someone getting really skilled in an area of expertise we think well they would be a really great leader but all of the skills required to as you said interact and lead humans other humans in the the workplace and and stakeholders in the organization and and uh, you know greater uh, that's not nothing we we don't really focus on i mean mm-hmm. even in schools you know yeah. young children should be taught a lot of these skills what do you think about that
1: let's unpack that a little bit oh my gosh i um i have a 15 year old daughter i often tell a lot of stories about uh my daughter and i just because from the time she was born she's teaching me all about myself about how i communicate um my daughter and i have stuck patterns you know where we have the same conversations over and over again, we have stuck patterns in our family where we have the same conversation over and over again. And I I, I think one of the things that I, I will not have been perfect in any of this as, as no parent is, but I often say to her, I hope one thing that I'm giving you is maybe the ability to, to be able to focus on you know, how you're communicating how, and being able to notice patterns. And I couldn't agree with you more. I wish we started this kind of training in grade school. Um, yeah, it would be yeah. really lovely.
0: Yeah, you know, I noticed So we've got a three-and-a-half-year-old grandson and he comes over regularly. And he's going through the stage of why, why, why. And I won't say who in our family, but um, someone in the family says, because I told you so. Yes. And I look at that young child and he's born around, as, as, you know, the similar month as I I am. And I'm thinking to myself, that, that answer just would not respond to me. <laughs> I would just continue to ask. So it is, we follow, why? Yeah. And and we're actually educating. We're actually providing information for him to go, oh, well, that makes sense. And and yeah. and that is just one form of communication skills that we kind of think, well, we may have seen that in the olden days, you know, where we were told you need to do exactly yeah. whatever your elders tell you to do. Um, but I thought that that was quite funny, because you know, you're talking about your daughter because the skills and things that we're talking about we may talk about within the context of business business and leadership in the workplace. But my goodness, we can use those skills, can't we, oh. within uh, any
1: situation to become all, <laughs> all across. Actually, Emery, one of the things that you've just said, you know, I think gets laid down for all of us really early on, which is that, you know, if I have a question, um, and I'm asking why, and yes, three-year-olds, I think, are are the perfection of the why question. And a lot of times, if we, you know, kind of run out of answers, or we've run out of time sometimes to provide the answer. And so we do say that thing, well, because because I said so, and I watch leaders do it as well, you, you want change to happen. And you, you try some tactics to involve other people, Um, you maybe watch what other leaders are doing, or you've been led before, and you've seen examples of other people doing it. And yet you find yourself in a high stakes moment, and and people are resisting, they won't, you know, they, they won't join you, or you're finding, um, it feels like you're pulling people along. And then all of a sudden, we just default to that phrase, it's like, well, because I told you so. <laughs> At the end of the day, like, I, um, I need you to just go along to get along. And I do think sometimes, whether we intend to or not, we can default to that when we're trying to bring about change and i think the reality is is that for many of us sometimes even though you know if i'm really honest i've likely thought that myself at some point like can we just can we can you just say yes and you know and come along um, <laughs> but there's really you know i think a lot more technique and Mm -hmm. um uh, you know we teach leaders sort of a model for looking at how to break down communication and understand the patterns Mm -hmm. in the way we're communicating and um the intent is really for you know to involve people in that process Mm -hmm. and really watch about how we're communicating with them and i think that the way we communicate like how we show up in those conversations and the intersection of, you know, who we are as individuals and who we are as a group. I think that's where all change starts from. And the success Mm -hmm. either propels us forward or it sort of holds us back in what we're Mm -hmm. seeing. So if we
0: find that we have... Um, gotten ourselves into a pattern where the conversation Mm. particularly about a a specific I don't know change or something um, is over and over again and they're not really getting anywhere what are a couple of tips that you could share in Mm. this area to help shift through that so that at least we can start moving forward rather than remaining in that pattern of stuckness
1: well, I think a lot of times it really starts with us first. And, I'll, and I'll, so I'll give you examples. So we're talking about kids. And I think sometimes that's an easy example to give because many of us have them in our lives in some way or another. But when my daughter was really young, she and I had a stuck conversation. And I used to, um, I called it the get your shoes on, please conversation. Mm. And we'd have this conversation anytime we were getting ready to go somewhere that she didn't want to go. And so I would say to her, you know, Lauren, do you have your shoes on? And she'd say no. So I'd say, "Great, bus is leaving, you know, bus will be here in 10 minutes. I need you to get your shoes on." So, you know, walk away 5 minutes later. Do you have your shoes on? No. What are you doing? <laughs> and she she'd say, "I'm, you know, I'm playing. I need you to get your shoes on." And she'd say, "Okay." And that's actually what she would have said the first time I'd asked her. So I say, I need you to get your shoes on. She says, okay. And I come back, and of course, you know, the bus is here, and I turn to her and say, you know, let's go. And then I find a toddler sitting on the floor screaming because she doesn't have her shoes on. And we had like this stuck conversation. So, one of the technologies that we give to leaders to just sort of make sense of communication. Um, It comes from David Cantor, um, and it's called Structural Dynamics. And it's a way of actually coding everything that we say could actually be coded into one of four actions. We're either, in our sentences, we're either setting direction with a move, we're following or supporting with a follow, we're opposing, offering correction, or we're offering a bystand, which is actually a morally neutral comment. So what was happening with Lauren is I'd make a move and say, I need you to get your shoes on. And she would follow by saying, okay. Mm -hmm. But what she intended was a no. Mm -hmm. She intended an oppose. And so in that very moment, I'm making a move. She's making a follow, but she intends something entirely different than what she's voicing. And instead of saying, you know, I don't want to. Maybe she thought she couldn't say that to me or it wouldn't have been welcomed. But in any case, we got stuck in this pattern where she was doing something that was different than what she was saying. And I think that that happened. that is the crux of what happens to so many of us. We intend one thing, but we do something else for all yeah. kinds of reasons. And then it creates confusion or misunderstanding, or stuckness in the conversation we find ourselves repeating. It. So in that example, um, after I started to realize that we were in that pattern, I just started to change how I entered the conversation. So she's a pretty um, independent individual, even at that age, and certainly now. And yeah. so it wasn't helpful for her when I kept making moves. Even Mm -hmm. as a teenager, like if I find myself um, constantly making moves, I will get the same pattern (laughs) 15 years later. So um, what I started to do in that conversation was just change the way I entered it. And so I would say to her something like, you know, I I would make a bystand and say, I noticed the bus will be here in 10 minutes. What do you need to do in order to get ready? And eventually she'd be able to say, You know, I think I need to put my shoes on and then I could follow her move. So I just give that to you as a like a really tiny, Mm -hmm. small example, because I think it's in our patterns of communication that sometimes lead to stuckness. And so Mm -hmm. it can be helpful to sort them out
0: yeah so good that one of the things I as you were sharing uh, with your interaction with your young daughter that's similar one of the things that I do with my grandson I know that he's well he's a boy and you know competitiveness so if I know that he needs to go upstairs because Dad's waiting for him to put him to bed, I might say something like I bet you who do you think's faster going up the stairs you or Alma and and then off he goes he's already up the stairs. <laughs> or I can go a good job done yeah (laughs) but but what you're saying is you're recognizing um in in your daughter how you enter the conversation and you were able to uh, enter the conversation in a way that you knew was going to yeah allow her to respond respond in a way where she wasn't you know, feeling that um, you know, immediately you might say something, and that she might have been happy to put the shoes on, no yeah. problem. But how you enter the conversation may made her go, you know what? I just like to continue playing with my toys. <laughs> so,
1: it has to be her idea, um, yeah. and I think so. The way I'll pull that forward into leadership teams and yeah. and you know, teams of any any kind, really, that same pattern of saying okay, and really intending a no is one of the primary patterns I watch show up in leadership teams all the time. Yeah, Because we get trained some way or another that it's impolite, rude, it would be um, disrespectful to actually Mm. push back or oppose to really clearly oppose. And so in some ways, I think we've trained it out of ourselves. And yet, um, part of the theory of Uh, structural dynamics is that we need all four of those actions to be voiced and active in the conversation in order for the conversation to be effective. And Mm -hmm. if they're not voiced or active, then there's something in the system that's actually holding us back from the real conversation. So so then what we get in our systems and our teams is the surface level, the polite, Mm -hmm. the that I think I'm going to be rewarded for saying not always the things that I really think. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of our challenges in communication is just becoming more aware of what we're intending and does the intention match the action? Mm-hmm. And are we listening you know well enough to one another and are or are we kind of getting stuck in a way of communicating where we're making too many moves and we overwhelm mm-hmm. people? Or we're too, you know, we're pushing back, but we're not offering, we're not also offering an idea or solution. So like a new move. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna oppose what you've put on the table, I also need to put something forward. And or we get really stuck in conflict, right? So we've got a move and an oppose in the conversation. And now we're debating. Mm -hmm. And what we really need is somebody or someone, you know, some other person in the conversation to bring forward things that about what are being discussed that they could support, like genuinely support yes. um, and understand context. And so I just, I find those patterns to be so prevalent in communication and it's where teams get really bogged down.
0: Yeah, because as you're, you're explaining that, I'm imagining an example, say for instance, a new technology was put in, was going to be rolled out and you had some team members who were quite happy to do that and others who were quite you know um, pushing back Uh, the example that you gave around your daughter which was to invite her to come to the conversation and it may very well be that isn't it because there's a reason why and they may the team member may not necessarily be comfortable enough to share why um, and so inviting them to participate mm-hmm. and to share and, and creating an environment that is safe for them to do so would yeah. help you unpack, you know, what do we need to do and support you with that will enable you to, to yeah, move forward and, and learn this new technology and, and implement it. Um, you talked about, a bit about group dynamics and you shared also mm-hmm. something around, you know, you, you recognise the style of, of your daughter and her, her approach, which she, which she, you know, responded well with. I'd imagine within a group dynamics in in an environment at work or anywhere really, you've got to also have an understanding that just because. Two or three more people might accept it. You might have two or three that don't. And so uh, you need to be aware of not just yourself. We can talk about deepening self-awareness as well, but also having an awareness of your team and how best um, do they respond and in what way do I have to enter the conversation? That's something that is is very much important in in that instance
1: too, isn't it? Absolutely. I totally agree. And I, you know, one of the things that you're pointing to that I really um that I really think it's important for leaders to be cognizant of is what are they hearing from other people. So it's it's a little bit easier one-on-one because you might get to know, you know, if you've got a colleague that you're close with or a co-founder, or somebody that you work really close with, that, that you can get to actually really know one another. That can actually be a trap too. You can you can sort of fall into predictable patterns but when you've got a team you start to listen for who am i hearing from who's voicing am i hearing opposition like am is there the voice of a pose that's coming out in our conversation and if not how can i prompt it? how can i invite it so asking questions like well where might i be wrong or where might we Um, be missing something or what's the, what's a con to the idea that's on the table. So actually really genuinely, and I think you have to mean it (laughs) when you invite it. um, But I think really genuinely seeking different, seeking different points of view rather than trying to um, power through it quickly or, you know, I think so many times, certainly in the world of virtual We can sort of toss a question out and then we get silence and then we Mm -hmm. sort of assume silence is consent and then we kind of, you know, skip forward. I think that's just, I think that's dangerous (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it really leaves the real conversation um, potentially offline.
0: Yeah. Also, sometimes you you imagine as leaders, as you said, sometimes they just want just do it, you know that that kind of thing. And that silence. Um, I, I don't know if you've. I'm sure you have the the disc. You know, you've got mm-hmm. the extended disc now as well, and you have the people who are very steadfast. They will agree. Uh, however, because they don't like confrontation, but I tell you what, you might think that you've got their agreements, but they will go and express their concerns and all of that to you know other people. Why I share this is as a leader, you need to be all over whatever's going on, even behind mm. the scenes, because mm. even if your team does do something and you've had to force them to to do that, if you will. Um, It's the underlying things that fester that will it eventually impact the workplace so ignoring that is not the best approach is it and and you you need to address that along the way because somewhere something will happen if you don't address that within the workplace because of impact and morale and and all of that too so leaders you really need to be on top of that this don't you what we're talking about today Mm. particularly with change and so forth going on
1: absolutely I think that it's the sweeping it you know, stepping over, we call it stepping over it, or sweeping it under the rug, that um, really builds up over time. And then it becomes much harder to unpack that. So I do think that slowing down for those micro moments Mm. is so much more beneficial, even when it seems like you just want to move forward. (laughs) Like, Can't we just keep going? And it doesn't mean I think that you'll do that every single time it happens yeah I just think it's about paying attention to patterns. Like how often do we do that? If we do it at every conversation and every meeting, we're really missing something.
0: Yeah. How important do you think it is for leaders to deepen their self-awareness?
1: Mm. I think it's I think it all starts there. Um, and i and I know we talk about self-awareness a lot. I think it's um you know, it's certainly in a lot of leadership models. We talk about, you know, becoming aware. And there's so many different ways that you can become aware. Um, but if I had any advice for my younger self, <laughs> it would be to pay way more attention to how I was showing up and why I did what I did. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that uh, it's the unpacking the why I do what I do and really coming to understand both its gifts. And Mm -hmm. the place where it holds me back. Um, And I think that's true for all of us. But, you know, it takes time. And I think, uh, so I'm, you know, I I can say that I am, you know, one of those people who likes to move things forward. I like to be at a certain pace. I like to work in a certain way. And I think one of, I talk about, you know, for all of us, it's about growing our range in leadership um so while i might prefer to move at a clip um that doesn't always serve me and it certainly doesn't always serve the people that i'm working with Mm -hmm. and what we're trying to create together and so i think there are places where i might want to move forward i might even have this um impulse or you know tendency to want to move forward and i have found that the ability to sort of stretch myself and Pause and go slower and find places, actually create space, create mm-hmm. silence. Um, and certainly, the you know the skills of coaching and facilitation have helped me build that capacity. But I think that it really is something that we all as leaders need to find our own range. Like mm-hmm. it's not just about doing the things that we're comfortable with, but um why are we comfortable with it? Why do we react to certain people when they communicate in a certain way? Um, why do our stakes rise or why do we get sort of um, gristly with people or frustrated with certain people? What's that about? So I think all of that's just data for all of us.
0: Mm. Uh, That's so, so true. I think learning and and gaining self-awareness is so important Because, you know, you've recognised something in yourself and so as leaders, if we're able to do that, there may be other things that we can put into place that will enable us to work the best that we can because in an environment in which you work your best allows you to tap into all of those gifts and skills and strengths that you have. And if you're working in an environment that um, is, you know, is counter to that, um, Mm there is nothing worse you know and we don't want to be rolling our eyes because someone's asking the question for the 10th time you know all of that can really impact the environment too but then we can put other things into place that would mitigate those kind of things you know having another Mm -hmm. team member who you know can kind of be in a go-between there's lots of different things I'm sure you work out with um you know the clients that you work with but again you can't you can't decide on what those steps mm. are unless you know you know each about each leader themselves but also awareness of others as well i yeah. think is amazing and i've heard time and time again um marsh of people who've come on the show that when a team who works very closely together has not only self awareness but also mm. awareness of others and the styles and preferences and things like that, there is such an appreciation, a deeper sense of appreciation for the team members because it's not, oh, they're not just a pain because they ask a million and one questions <laughs> or they need lots of information rather than let's just make a decision, you know, right here, right now. Oh, they yeah. need time to to process that. Okay, well, we'll make sure we do that in time. We can't do that unless we appreciate or understand how others prefer to work.
1: Mm. David Cantor had a phrase that I love that sort of sits um, in the back of my mind often. Uh, But he said, do less harm and know the harm that you can do. And I think that that's one of the things that propels me um, forward in all the work that we do is that I've worked for leaders um, who I would often describe as leaving a wake in their path. It wasn't fun to be part of that wake. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so easy, particularly in today's climate, there is no lack of change. Um, You know, often change is happening externally, um, and we as leaders are having to respond and react. And um, when we are not in command of ourselves, meaning that we know ourselves, we know ourselves deeply, we know what we do and why we do it, Mm-hmm. and we can notice when we encounter someone or we encounter a situation that just raises the stakes for us it triggers us in some way to be able to catch that and go ah like um i know what's happening for me right now it's this and i know how to bring the stakes down i know how to lower the stakes for myself so that i can just be more in command of my behavior and i'm not um showing up in a conversation throwing things at people, raising my voice, um, you know, telling people to get over it, move on. Like, I I think all of those behaviors, we've all done them. I, you know, I think in many ways, shapes and forms, I think leaders spend so much of their time in high stakes anyways, leading today. Um, So I think that's one of the values um, that sits behind that that value of self-awareness.
0: So true. I'm I'm smiling on the inside. And it's probably coming mm. out because I recall one of my colleagues. This was many many years ago, and she started to learn more of, of self-awareness mm. and insight. She'd ha- she'd say, you know, say, oh, I would have treated my ex-husband so much differently. Yeah. Oh, I would have responded. <laughs> and there was one time. I mean, the whole group of us, we just said that sounds like you. She so she had a team member. I don't know how how long the team mm. member had worked, but would come stick her head in the door and you know I don't know how many times this team member had done that and she went to open went to open the door open her mouth and my colleague said now just for a moment (laughs) just pretend that you have a brain in your head use it to answer the question that you were just going to ask me and close the door I need to get this report done. (laughs) She said I think I would have responded a little bit differently. (laughs) As you said, we've all been in situations where we've said something, and the minute she did that, the door closed. She went out. She said, "Look, I am so sorry that I said (laughs) that to you." But uh, yes, she she could have done with some of that. Lower the stakes, just you know, calm down as you respond. So so that was great. Love that. So yeah, mm-hmm. build your self-awareness. If you haven't got that, let that be something that you do as a leader in, in 2024. And of course, at the end of the conversation, Marsha, will share how people can connect with you. But Before we finish up, I'd love to, to hear uh, what are four primary questions that we can ask when leading change? Mm.
1: Well, I talk about, um, you know, part of leading change is really about Learning and getting um, really familiar with how we behave. So the first question, I call it um, really getting clear about your behavioral model. So how do you how do you behave today? And where did you learn to behave like that? And those are two parts of that question that really dive into self-awareness. So that's that's the first one. Um, the second one is really around building your model for leadership. And the question prompt for that is what kind of leader will you be? Mm. The third one is we have our behavior. We have how we show up in our in our work, in our leadership. And then what we sometimes really step over or leave out is how we will live. Mm. And it's that personal side. And so that question, that question prompt is, what does it mean? for you to live a life worth living. Mm. And it's really those, those three models, your model for living, your model for behavior, and your model for leading, that start to form this really rich intersection. I think about it as um, if you were to sit up in your chair or stand squarely with your feet on the floor, it is that solid ground of clarity You come from when you start to lead. And I think it's those three things that help you answer that first question, that last question, which is how will you lead change? Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: that's what sort of informs the ground that we stand on as leaders. And so I think it's, I, I don't think that we're ever done really answering those questions, but I think that many of us haven't really sat down to get clear about what our answers to those questions are first. And so it's that clarity and um, conviction, really, uh, about the intersection of all of those.
0: Mm. That first question you asked, I think is an, is incredible because if it's a behaviour that's not serving us and asking, you know, where did we get that from? We may be able to notice that it's a pattern that we, we're seeing, um, that we're living out that may have been a pattern that we saw and thought, I really don't want to be like that at all. Yet, for some yeah. reason, we've we've picked that up. It allows us an opportunity to look at it then and make different changes around that. Mm. that well, what do I need to do to no longer um, behave that way? Because, you know, um, as we know, as, as leaders and, and particularly around change, and many of us are coaches and things, uh, and coaches and, and mentors as well, we know that we can change. You know, when our beliefs and values change, mm. that can impact our behaviour. And guess what? Yep. When our behaviour change changes, that can impact our outcome. So it's an incredible opportunity for mm. uh, not only change, but transformational change um as an individual and 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 how we we lead we could even have gone i think uh, in an hour and, and just spoke on the four questions that you've just <laughs> shared with us but i we've just yeah we've only just scratched the surface yet i know mm. that it's been such a deep and rich conversation for people to take away with and ponder over and look at you know well what needs to change for me as mm. i'm leading in 2024 because ultimately when you start making these changes, even small changes, you can start to f- see it filtering down in how our team approaches us because some of those changes are instantly felt within an environment in your team. I'm sure that our leaders who are working with you uh, give you that feedback that it's
1: impacting positively the
0: team as well, yes? Yes, yeah.
1: yeah. I think it's... Um... It makes huge ripple impacts, because a lot of times it's not just that, that team that's doing the work, but it's, it's how they because it's how they show up. So they might be making adjustments to themselves in that, you know, intact team, but it ripples down across other teams. So which is what Point leaders
0: impact. and ultimately a lot of the, the um, you know, the leaders above them are looking for. It impacts morale. It impacts productivity, which then in turn impact filters right down throughout the organisation. So it is well worth the effort to, uh, to implement. If people want to find out more, Marsha, about you and about your company, of course, how can they find out about Team Catapult? What's the best way uh, to reach out?
1: So the easiest way is to find me on LinkedIn at Marsha Acker. You can also find me at teamcatapult.com and you can read about the book at buildyourmodel.com.
0: Fantastic.
1: Well, look, thanks once again for coming on the show. Love the conversation today. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Samory.
0: Hey Anne Marie, before I go, are you a coach or a consultant who feels like the world's best kept secret? Your experience is vast, yet secretly you're frustrated because despite all of your hard work, you're just not getting the visibility, the recognition, or new clients you'd hope for, and you don't know why? I've created a free resource that'll help you build visibility, generate leads, and enroll dream clients with ease because you're seen as a trusted authority even in a crowded marketplace, and you position yourself with the choice versus just a choice for your dream client. To get started, go to annemariecross.com forward slash gift. That's annemariecross.com forward slash gift.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.